There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Drive live. Talks legal. Our guest today is Ali Al-Assad from Yamanova and Pletka. Ali, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Adan. Looking very dapper on the red carpet this evening, but still here to talk business. Ready for it. Good. Well, if we can, Ali, we, we, our, our topic today, rather, is um, all about terminating employment contracts. So it's going to be something that people do have experience of, whether they wanted to terminate the employment or whether their employer has wanted to terminate that contract early. You can tell us about both sides of that. So if anyone does have any questions on employment contracts, text us 4001 via the free messaging app. And Ali is primed and ready. It doesn't just have to be about employment, though. You can text in with any other legal questions. But Ali, we do already have uh, some questions for you here. This one has come in and says, My landlord cannot increase the rent as I'm below the RERA index. He just informed me that he will no longer pay the annual capacity charge, which was for the last four years part of the annual rent. So in other words, he is increasing the rent. Is this legal? So basically, straightforward is not legal because this issue of uh, the capacity payment is one of the uh, terms of the contract. And the landlord have no right to amend it by his own will. So it followed the same general amendment of any employment contract. If there is any party who would like to introduce any amendment, this amendment needs to be communicated to the other party at least 90 days prior to the expiry, and they have to reach a mutual agreement over it. If not, then they can refer the matter to the rental dispute center, and rental dispute center will decide it. So the way how the landlord is doing that right now is completely against the law, and you have the right to challenge it. Okay, so the advice there for you is go and challenge it if you can resolve it without having to go to the rental dispute centre. Of course, that's the best option, but there is some legal recourse. Exactly, because we always recommend uh, before uh, referring any matter to dispute, because you know dispute trust money, try to solve it amicably. If not, whenever you are at the RDC, before you file the proper case, you have a mediation level. From there, you can also reach an amicable settlement. If not, it will be referred to the normal litigation process. Is this something that you come across often, where maybe landlords try and find a, a way around the, mm-hmm. ca- the kind of rules and, and try and do it this way? Is there anything else similar which, which, which happens that maybe uh, uh, people should be aware of? Yeah, basically we've seen these situations before, like a similar situation. Exactly. Also, we have other situations where, for example, like you are renting, the, let's say, a flat where you have access to parking and facilities. After of a sudden, they will try to charge you extra for using these facilities, which in a way or another, it's a hidden increase of rent. Okay, and you have another question yeah, there, don't you, Plenty of questions come through. This one came through yesterday on the text, uh, text line 4001. Uh, our company engaged services of a supplier in Saudi Arabia. The supplier then asked us to pay into an alternative account from a similar company email address, apart from one letter change, which we didn't notice. However, client account representative was, uh, was copied in on the correct email. The payments were made into an alternative account once a formal letter was provided on header paper and signed by the claimant. The payment was made to the account, then the funds disappeared, and the supplier says they did not receive them. Can you advise if we must make the payments again, or if the supplier is liable for loss, as they effectively were complicit in provision of an erroneous account data as their server was hacked, and that person wishes to remain anonymous? So basically, here the main problem we have is that the email they received it was not the actual email of the company, so there was a change, and basically, whenever you are making a payment, you need to be aware of this detail. In the event the situation was the other way around where, for example, like the email came correctly but was hacked, then it's a liability of the supplier. But now as long as we have the situation where there was some changes that they didn't notice, mm-hmm. I th- most likely the liability will be more on their side. But we recommend before rushing into any certain payment, approach the police, maybe you can have a solution there to collect back the funds. If not, then you may need to consider like the certain payment or 
uh, how you can sort it with the employer or with the supplier. Yeah, and I think in this particular situation, one of the emails was different. One of them was the original email that was used. So they were under, of the understanding that this was genuine. A member mm. of that company had been involved in the conversation. Mm. So perhaps is the fact that someone from the real company was involved in that conversation, they can see the payment was made in good faith. Uh, it can be that uh, the situation they mentioned that someone else was copied, like the email came from a fake account while the, someone was the correct account was copied. But then there's the issue of whenever you are making a payment, we need to be also always careful to who we are making the payment. And that's why, because there is this issue of like someone else was copied, that's what you can rely on to discuss the chance whether you have to make a certain payment or no, because this will be a gray area. But in general, do not rush in the certain payment straight away. Okay, so if we can, Ali, if we can start to talk a little bit about the topic. Now, it's a topic that you wanted to bring up today because it must be something you get contacted about a lot. People sign contracts, unlimited contracts, limited contracts, and sometimes things just don't work out, whether that's you as the employer or you as the employee. Now, what are the different kinds of reasons for terminating an employment contract? So basically, for termination, we have two parts. We have the termination of the, from the employer's side, and determination from the employee side. For the employee side, basically, like there is, the law doesn't provide for situations where you can terminate. You can terminate whatever reason, provided if you are under an unlimited contract, you serve the notice. If you are under a limited and the contract provides for a notice, you serve it. Later, you face repercussions about the reduction of your end of service, depending on how, how, much, uh, how many years you had with the company. When it comes to the employer's termination, and that's to be honest, the tricky ones, where a lot of mistakes and like sometimes miscalculation will take place. We have in general like the law, it says that under Article 120, it provides like for uh, numerous situations under which you can terminate an employee without a notice period, without end of service, without any compensation, other than the accumulated salaries. And to be honest, like for a company to be able to benefit from uh, this termination under 120, there is a lot of burden of proof on their side. Like mm. They have to have like properly records or very like accurate proof about uh, supporting their decision. And to be honest, majority of the time we see the company failing to do so. So when companies fail to do do so, they always assume that in the event they fire the employee, they will have to pay arbitrary dismissal, which is not always the case because despite Article 120 provides for certain situations for termination, but these are not exclusive, which means in the event the company have a reason which is reasonable enough to terminate an employee, but is not reasonable enough to reach the 120, it doesn't mean they cannot terminate. They can terminate, but in this situation, they're not going to benefit from 120, which means they will pay end of service, they have to serve the notice period, but it doesn't mean automatically that they are liable to pay the arbitrary compens- uh, termination compensation, which is three months. And a lot of time we see the company, whenever they don't have 120, they will rush and pay the three months. Mm-hmm. This is not how it works. Every time you don't have 120, you have to see whether your reason is valid. If your reason is valid, you have the right to challenge the 120, and the three months arbitrary dismissal. If the reason is completely irrelevant to the employee, then most likely the court will rule against you. That's one side of the, uh, of the matter. The second pro- uh, side, and here the problem usually comes from the employee because they don't know the law properly. The, law, uh, the labor law it says under, under Article 116, in the event the employee resigns from a limited contract before its expiry, he is liable to pay compensation to the company up to 45 days' salary. It says one month and a half, which is uh, up to 45. And that's something that, like both employee and employees need to be aware about it. Whenever the law say up to three months or up to 45 days, which means it's neither the employee or the employer who will decide. It means the court because we need a third party to decide it, which in other words means unless there is judgment, you don't have to pay this amount. Because we keep seeing it in practice with some clients sometimes, sometimes through the radio show, sometimes through people that we just know in our daily life, 
you hear someone that I resigned and I paid one month and a half back salary to my company. Why did you do it? Because Article 116 say I have to do it. That's not how it works. Mm. For the company to be able to charge you the 45 days, they need to have a court order after they prove the damages they suffered as a result of your resignation. Otherwise, you don't have to pay it. And we keep seeing people doing the opposite. So your recommendation, Ali, would be if you do find yourself in this situation, either as the employer or the employee, get mm. some legal advice because you could be in a position where you're paying money that you don't necessarily need to. We will be taking a quick break for the news headlines, but um, we are getting quite a lot of questions in for Ali, a, a few about fixed-term contracts, renewable contracts, amendments to contracts, so we will get to those questions shortly. Drive live. Have your say. Text 4001 or message us for free on the Dubai iMessenger app. Drive live. Talks legal. Welcome to Drive Live Talks Legal. We are at Diff. We're live. Our guest is Ali Al-Assad from Yamalova and Plethka. And we were talking about our topic today, which is about the termination of employment contracts. And on that note, Ali, we have had quite a few people texting in on this subject. This one says, uh, I signed a contract when joining, and it stated there was one month's notice upon resignation. But two years in, upon my visa renewal, the company changed it to three months in the uh, labor card form. Which document would take precedence in this case? So basically in this situation we are facing a situation, uh, uh, the scenario that you had an employment contract that shows a one month no, uh, notice uh, period. Later upon renewal the terms were updated. In this situation the court will follow the most recent one. So basically you are subject now to three months notice period. And is that something you should have maybe paid a lot of attention when you were renewing this contract? This is why you hear lawyers say every time you get a contract read every single detail. But then we've also had conversations here in the past, Ali, when you said if someone's stated a change in contract or terms without mm. notifying you of that change, mm. is there maybe some, some wiggle room that you mm. can say, well, I wasn't advised that you changed this? There we can apply it more towards like terms and condition where we okay. have like these very long terms, which is written always in like a very, very small font that you can barely see it and all this, uh, all this situation. But when it comes to unemployment contract, and usually it's like one or two pages contract drafted in a very clear way, it was like a good font and like... This, like, that's our recommendation that always whenever you are reading your employment offer or employment contract or renewal or any amendment, even do not read it only once. Because uh, subconsciously, whenever you are reading, you always have the assumption that everything is the same, which means you may read it even the first time and not spot it. So in this situation, uh, I think uh, w uh, for, the for which the question was drafted, I don't think we can rely on the fact that there was like an implicit amendment or like something was not communicated. It was clear in the contract, I believe. Does it matter though if he's signed it or not? Um, you know, as in obviously, if it, if it, for example, if it wasn't signed, can they can they make just changes that sense or if, not? It if, has to be signed. Uh, if the contract is not signed, then it's not uh, applicable. He can stick to the first one where you have one month's notice. But in the event they give you the new draft with the three months and you already signed it, it's binding now. Okay, I have another uh, text in here to one saying, uh, when I joined my company here in 2014, my offer letter and contract was one month notice. Early this year, when I was renewing my Emirates ID, the company uh, deceitfully, according to the text here, gave employees an updated Ministry of um, Ministry of Health and um, sorry, the Ministry no, of Human Resources and Emiratization apologies, a contract to sign, which states three months notice period. I'm about to leave my firm to join another in January, but my current firm insists I have to spend three months notice. What do I do? Can I still insist what I signed when I joined was one month? Uh, do I have a case if I take this to the Ministry of Labor or to Dubai courts? It's uh, pretty similar to the previous mm -hmm. one. As long as the, the new contract was signed, we believe it's binding. However, here we have something to we need to clarify to, the, to our listener is that 
if he have a three months notice period, it doesn't mean they can force him to stay in the company for three months. You can leave at any time. You just pay compensation for the remaining period of the serve of the notice that you're not gonna serve. Let's say your uh, notice period now is three months, mm -hmm. and you have to leave within one month and a half. You work one month and a half. You get the salary for this one month and a half, and later you pay one month and a half for the company as a compensation to the notice. And this one you have to pay it without a court order. It's not similar to the previous compensation we discussed at the beginning. Okay, there's another question here. This is from Mark. Mark says, hello, I'm a teacher on a fixed-term renewable one-year local contract. I have been in the job, the same job, for 15 years. I also have another job. I've given one month's notice. Can the organization penalize me for coming out of contract? Uh, and where do I stand in terms of gratuity? If we are talking about a limited contract here, you can uh, terminate it, providing you serve the notice mentioned in your contract. As long as you spend 15 years with the company, your end of service is not going to be affected. Okay. And does it matter that every year it's a one-year contract? It doesn't mean your gratuity only runs to that one year. It, it, the 15 years still adds up. Yeah. The, the end of service always is bound by the starting date uh, of employment and the last date of employment, regardless how many contracts we have in the middle. Okay. As long as they are continuous, it's one period. What about the different types of contracts as well? Because I've heard you mention a few different types. Can you just give us in, in layman's terms mm -hmm. the, the various kinds of contracts that we tend to see here in Dubai? Okay, the, the contracts we see are either limited or unlimited. For a contract that's limited, usually you see that it has a starting date and expiry date, or it says two years or three years. It has a fixed term. Upon expiry of this contract, if both parties will keep applying the contract normally, and this contract does not have automatic termination clause in it, by law it will be converted to the other option, other type, which is the unlimited. In the event you have a limited contract for three years and it have a clause that say upon expiry, it will be renewed under the same terms, then it will remain a limited contract every time you renew it. Okay. Okay, we have another question here. Um, there's lots of questions about three months' notice, and they are, di they are different questions, so bear with me, Ali, on this one. This one says, uh, my company last year made blanket amendments to all contracts. So I'm now on a three-year contract, but with a new one, I will be three months short of completing three years. Will this affect my end-of-contract gratuity because I won't have completed three years' Sorry, I have Yeah, no, no. So this question says, my company made blanket amendments to all contracts. Mm -hmm. um, I'm on a three-year contract, but with the new one, because of the way, the way they've mm -hmm. written it, I guess mm -hmm. that it's two years and some months. So I'm three months short of completing three years. Will this affect my end of contract gratuity because it's not quite three full years? Okay, here in the event, we are talking about a limited contract. Mm. So in the event they terminate you, they have to pay you the end of service from the starting date till the last date of termination, which means not going to affect whether, whether the contract, let's say, three years or something different. That's in the event they terminate you. In the event you resign, and as long as it's a limited contract and you never finish five years, mm. you will lose your end of service. So both ways, these three months not going to really affect your end of service calculation. Okay, we've had quite a few questions, uh, further questions in on employment, Ali. We will get to those soon. And we've had a slightly different question on a completely different note. This one says, my water boiler got damaged and can't be used. I got no hot water for one week. As the company dealing with renting the apartment told me they are waiting for approval, how long should I wait for? Is there a legal course of action there? So basically, like at clear cut legal recourse, we don't have it in the law. So what, but in practice, what you can do, either you can bear with them until they get the finish the pipe, per word and let finish uh, replace your boiler let's say within one or two weeks in the event this matter take too long what we recommend is that you go do the maintenance on your own expense and keep your receipts and later whenever when it comes to the renewal of the contract you deduct it from the rent and in the event they refuse to pay to pay you this deduction uh, to reduce your rent just to compensate these expenses you spend you have the right to approach the rdc and from there you will get a favorable judgment
What's the best way to go about that, though? Is it best to tell the landlord that you're going to do this at first yeah. or not, and, and to keep maybe a record of mm -hmm. any correspondence, maybe any emails that you've been sending regarding it? What we recommend is send an email uh, or like whatever written correspondence you can have showing the, employer, uh, sorry, the landlord that uh, this matter is taking too long, like within one week, if you don't replace it, I replace it on my own expense and I will apply the cost I will uh, bear for this repair towards the rent of the next year, just at least to have it in your records. You're listening to Drive Live Talks Legal. We are live on the Dubai International Film Festival red carpet. Our guest is Ali Al-Assad. He will be joining us till 5 o'clock. Get those questions in because we are nearly full. Lots and lots of questions for you on this topic, Ali. It must be a popular one. We'll be answering those next. You're listening to Drive Live. Broadcasting live from the red carpet for the 14th Dubai International Film Festival. Film will find you. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Afternoon, one and all. Yes, indeed, we are in a quite glamorous location here, the Madinat Jumeirah for DIFF 2017, the 14th, 14th edition of the Dubai International uh, Film Festival. Danny Norton and Natalie Lindo-Taylor with you at the moment. Uh, Tim Elliott, he'll be back uh, very shortly. He's been off at an event with Morgan Spurlock, the guy behind Super Size Me, uh, which, is, uh, which is due to have a sequel. So we're going to find out more about that very, very shortly. But at the moment, it is on uh, Dubai I 103.8, Drive Live Talks Legal. We have Ali Al-Assad, legal manager at Yamalova and Plefka, with us. We're talking early termination of employment contracts from both the employer and the employee side. We've had lots of text through to 4001. We do have another 10 minutes or so remaining, so if you've got any questions, get them in uh, now. We've had many questions to do with the employee terminating the contract. A simple one here, asking when can employ an employer terminate the employee's contract? So basically, employment is at will. So the employer, practically speaking and legally speaking, have the right to terminate the contract at any time. It just becomes a matter of compensation. In the event they terminate a contract before its expiry or for a, a non-valid reason or a legal reason, you will be out of the company. You cannot force them to keep you inside, but they have to pay you compensation. And usually the compensation for the arbitrary dismissal is up to three months for salary. And if there is a notice, either they have to serve you the notice or they have to pay you also compensation for the agreed notice. Okay, so say if you're on a three-year contract, for example, and they decide to, term mm -hmm. to terminate the contract after 18 months, mm -hmm. you don't get the whole 18 months, obviously, in compensation. Mm -hmm. it's, it's up to it. There's, it all depends on what's in the contract and, uh, and what's, mm -hmm. what's remaining of your contract, essentially. So in, this, in the situation you described, if the contract doesn't say what's the compensation when it comes to early termination, you will get maximum up to three months. Okay. In the event the contract says that in the event we terminate you before the expiry of the contract, we owe you the full salary or let's say six months salary, then yes, you get the six months. But the default one is three months. Okay, there's a short question uh, that kind of goes hand in hand with what we've just talking about. It says, can end of service be deducted from a monthly salary? It cannot. Okay, and another one here from Alex. This says, can an employer... Can an employee, rather, sue an employer after a contract is terminated and a visa is cancelled? Now, no, there's no further detail on that one, Ali, so it, it's, not, it's not clear what they might want to sue an employer for, but once that contract is over, a visa is cancelled, can you start any legal action? Yeah, I, basically, yes, because I believe the trigger behind this question is that whenever you cancel your visa, there's a small form, you sign it, I receive all my dues. Ah. At the court, this form doesn't stand valid. So from the time, from the last day of work, uh, from the last day of you working for the company, you have a period of one year to claim whatever claims you have against the company. In the event one year lapses and you don't claim it and you don't claim it after it, if the company doesn't object, the court will rule in your favor. In the event the company will raise the issue of a statute of limitation to the court saying that one year already lapsed, your case is not going to proceed. 
And what do what does the co- company need to do in in these these kind of circumstances? Are there certain things that the employer should expect from the company? Uh, in the event uh, after the, the visa cancellation, let's say there is any dues of end of service or whatever uh, dues resulting either from the contract or from the law. Let's say absentee dismissal, notice period, unused vacation. In the event uh, like the employee went silent after the cancellation and the company doesn't want to pay him, like they may choose not to pay until he come and claim it. Okay, there's another one here. It says, due to the mandatory insurance decreed by the government, some companies are threatening to deduct, as in health insurance, deduct the cost from employees' salary. Who is supposed to bore the cost? Is it employees or is it employers? Mm -hmm. And if that's what they're doing, is it legal? Mm -hmm. Basically, insurance, health insurance is to be paid by the company. As long as you you work for the company, they have to pay it. In the event they want to come and say, okay, we will pay it because it's required by law, but we will reduce your your salary by X amount, which is by coincidence, the equivalent of what they are paying for insurance. In this situation, the company is breaching the contract, unless you accept it willingly. So if you don't want to accept it, you have the right to challenge it. You can report the matter to the Ministry of Labor, and Ministry of Labor will ask the company to keep paying you the normal side because they are not allowed to make any deductions. It's a little bit like the question we had earlier on to do with the property, isn't it? To do with the rent where uh, one of the bills was actually put on that was originally getting paid for and then that was taken off. So it's a kind of a bit of a sneaky way to try and increase the rent, I suppose. It kind of works in both ways, doesn't it? In, uh, in contracts as well. Another question through here. My company forced me to terminate and I signed the resignation papers but I'm still working. How would the termination paper they've kept affect me? So basically, uh, we had a similar situation before the Dubai course in the past. In the event, let's say an employee regardless whether he was forced to resign or whether he resigned willingly, as long as you have either a resignation or termination letter, in the event the employee will keep working after it, like occasionally for a limited time of uh, for a limited time, it doesn't need, doesn't mean that the contract was reinitiated. But in the event, let's say you have a termination letter dated June 2017, and now we come to December and you're still working, you are hired again. But okay. in the event just happened like within like one week or ten days, then it's fine. No problem. And what, you should, what should you do in that kind of situation then? Should you approach the employer and, and maybe say, listen, I've been kept on, I'm essentially hired again? Or should, should you actually seek legal advice to, to make sure you're going through the right channels? So in general, like if I personally face this, let's say I am the person who's in this matter and I see that after six months from me resigning, the company keep paying me, I keep attending work, like I remain silent, I'm employed. And just very briefly, Ali, we only have just over a minute left. This question says, I take a lump sum salary. It's not divided or mentioned in the contract that it's a basic salary. However, there is another term that limits the end of service calculation to 60% of that. What will be the right calculation when it's time to leave? So this contract was not drafted in a wise way at all because whenever we have a contract saying basic salary, that's what will go to end of service. Mm. And whatever the employee will sign saying my end of service will be limited to 60% of my salary, which is already the basic, the will consider this, po- this point as a waiver from the employee towards end of service signed during the employment which is invalid okay. which means your end of service will be calculated according to whatever is called basic salary in your contract that's it for this week's drive live talks legal our guest today has been ali al assad always a pleasure to have you down with pleasure us pleasure is, is mine there's just so much more to hear download our podcasts at dubaii 1038.com